This morning I want to just ask a question and the question is, is simply this, how do we measure the worth of a soul? One of my favourite carols is uh, called O Holy Night and in that carol there is this line where the author of the carol says, um, long in um, sin and error pining, the earth was waiting till he appeared and then the soul felt its worth. And so this morning, in light of Jesus coming in his birth, I want to ask the question, how do we measure the, the worth of a soul? There's a young, I discovered this week that um, there's a young woman in Adelaide, I think she's 23, 24, a couple of years ago she decided she wanted to do something about her health. And so as a result, she wrote this um, like 12-week health manual and um, basically posted it online through her social media and, uh, and basically said, look, if you stick at this 12-week program, you will um, have an increase in your health. There'll be all sorts of benefits. And she um, wrote the program out and put it up on her social media page and, and made it available to anybody for a download fee of a fee of $4. So for $4 you could download this program 12 weeks and you would have improved health. Well, this young lady, she's an Adelaide girl, um, they were surprised at how many people all of a sudden all over the world decided they wanted to have an improvement in their health and they downloaded her $4 fitness program. And as a result of that, she became an instant millionaire. And since that time, that was like not quite two years ago that she wrote this and posted it up for people to download for $4. Since then, she and her boyfriend have developed this little fitness program and now they have a you know, you can pull your smartphone app out and it, they've got their app that you can track and trace and put all the details in and out and there's menu stuff all attached to it now and there's all these other value adds onto it and now you can download the whole thing for a dollar. And still their net worth, I think their net worth, so he, she's 23, I think he's 25 and their net worth uh, at the moment, I think is $53 million. $53 million. Her following through her social media app has launched her into this space that we attribute as man. They, if we're going to measure what they're doing, they are worth, and we use a language and a tool of understanding called finance and money, and we go, they're worth $53 million. Now that's pretty staggering when you think about it. I'm not sure whether or not you think that that young Adelaide woman is worth $53 million, but someone does because that's what the world is telling her she's worth. People are resourcing her and saying, you're worth this. You are worth me giving a few bucks so I can feel healthy. 
When I first met Nicole, I owned a particular pair of shoes. I loved these shoes. I, th- I thought they went with my, at the same time, my then baggy fluorescent green shorts. And the shoes were kind of like these, they were like thongs, except they, you know, they didn't have the, you know, the plug a bit at the top there. They were just like a band across the top. So they were more like a, a thong slipper. I think they call them like floaters now, something like that. What it? Slides, that's it. Slides, that's it. Thank you. Got to stay current. They're called slides now. But when I met Nicole and they were a dark kind of dingy blue colour, I thought they matched my fluoro green baggy shorts. But not long after meeting Nicole and then we getting engaged and then all of a sudden I found myself looking for these shoes and shorts one day. And um, Nicole had had made a, a value judgment on these shoes and these shorts. And she decided they were worth one thing and one thing only. Who can just tell me what she thought they were worth? You got it, Sharon, the bin. She thought they were worth the bin. I didn't think they were worth that. So I went rummaging and I managed to rescue the shoes and I did, I did give way on the shorts because they were, they were torn in the backside and, you know, but they were my comfy shorts. <laughs> anyway, I, I managed to rescue the shoes, the slides, for just a little, little bit longer, but then again they somehow went, went missing. Those old shoes, they meant a lot to me. I had ascribed worth and comfort towards those shoes. I loved them. But someone else thought they were worth nothing, but they were a lot to me. When I first started earning money, my parents had spent many years building and modelling a value system to me. And one of those that they built was around finance and the use of it. They gave me three little jars when I was young And they said, this one is called spend. You can put some money in that and spend it right now if you'd like. This second jar is called save. And this is for you to take a little bit of your money every week and save it for a time later on when you're going to need it. And they gave me this other little jar called serve. And they said, this little jar, this is for you to be able to take the first 10% of everything that you earn and give it away to God in thanksgiving for the fact that you can have access to money. That little value system was working away in me and plugging away in me. And in fact, that little value system is still very much one that I operate in. Now, on top of all of this, they modelled, my parents modelled to me a generosity when it came to finance, my dad is um, a prolific giver. I mean, like, not just with what he has, but he also gives a, wants to give away more than he has. At one point, my mum used to say, David, before he would go out, she'd say, David, give me your wallet. And she would take the cash out of it because she knew that wherever David went, he would meet someone 
anyone, didn't matter, and he would hear their story and he'd just give them his money as a way of saying, hey, uh, how can I help? See, my dad thought that people were worth his hard-earned money. He thought they were valuable enough to give away his money to them. Um, Now, my folks, they showed me a, a, a spirit and a practice and a lifestyle of generosity. And today, Nicole and I, we love to give away to the work of the poor, for the sake of the poor. We love to give through works like the Mercy Centre. We love to give away to local high school and primary school chaplains our money. We love to give away what the Holy Spirit stirs in our heart for the sake of another human being having a better life than they currently have. It's a generosity that was modelled. It was a value system that was built into me. Why? Because we believe that people are worth spending our hard-earned money on that they too might know that they're just as important to God as we are. That's why we give it away. In the historical account that Kay and Caitlin read out before of Jesus as born as king, we see a very strong, very clear heart cry from God to his creation and to all people that he is saying in Jesus, you have incredible worth to me. Those three magi that came from afar, they saw something of this when they saw the star in the sky over Bethlehem and they brought to the newborn king gifts of worth to a newborn child to say, You are worthy of this. Their response to God's son and realising that God was fulfilling his whole promise through Abraham was that to be near you, to be near you, the Christ child, is to have our life realise its true purpose and that is to be like God, a giver of life. A giver of life. That's what those three guys did. Friends, family, this Christmas, God is crying out from heaven through Jesus to the whole world to say, you are of great worth to me. But how do we describe, how do we ascribe what's worthy and how much is worthy? How do we ascribe the value of a soul as that O Holy Night hymn suggests that comes alive in the presence of Jesus? We think about our families. Sometimes it's like, yep, you're you're worth something to me. And so I will give you my life, my love, my energy, my time, my resources, my compassion. You're worth that. But when we start to broaden the net a little wider than just the immediate family, how much do we ascribe to the soul of an old person that's sitting today in an old people's home, for want of a better term, and will have no one to have lunch with this Christmas? How much do 
we ascribe their soul is worth? How much do we ascribe is the soul worth of a newborn child? No matter what their circumstances, no matter who they're born to, or the circumstances of their birth, or where they were born. How much do we ascribe? What, what is the value? What is the worth of the soul of a newborn? How do we ascribe value or worth to the complete stranger? And how much do we ascribe worth to our very own soul, our very own sense of self? How do you figure that out? How do you work that out? Is it based on, oh, they're wise or they've been creative and they've been productive and so they're deserving of worth? They've been good contributors to society and culture and therefore they're worthy? Or they're broken and they're lost and they're caught in their addictions? Are they worthy? How do we ascribe worth? Now, if I was to hold this up to you and just hold that up to you and just say, what do you reckon, how much worth should we ascribe to this stick? Someone, just give me some measure. How do you, how do you measure that? What, what, tell me. What's it worth? What's, what's it worth? Grows on trees. Yeah, but how, how much? Ten bucks. Firewood. It's worth firewood. It, in the right and all wrong situation, it's worth something. Well, to most of us, it's, did, you, did you want to have a go? Did you want to tell us something? No? <laughs> um, to most of us, we probably look at that and we go, well, that's a stick. It's good for fire. It's good for, you know, not much. But if I was to say to you, hey... If you just take a look at it, it's actually got these little carvings just in the top here. And these little carvings are actually, they're like a hand grip. See that? They're like a hand grip. And, and actually, if you look a little bit further, there's these other carvings in this stick. It's like someone's taken some time and great focus to tell this stick that it is important in their life and it represents something very important. Corey, do you want to just come up here for a minute? Now, I haven't prepped you for this. I just asked you to bring your stick to church this morning. Now, it's a setup. Corey, can you tell me what, what that's worth to you? What, how do you ascribe worth to that? What does it mean to you? <laughs> it is such a setup. All right. Um, well, this stick actually has a lot of meaning to me. Um, <laughs> it's had a life, but uh, it's journeyed with me a lot. This stick um, I found as I was bushwalking once, just talking to the Lord, and um, felt led to collect it. It was just a dead tree, actually, that way around. And um, I then started to whittle it. That's, you know, you get a knife and you whittle it. But um, as I was doing each whittle, the Lord spoke to me really clearly that it was each time I 
chipped a piece off with the knife that it was uh, someone that I was going to lead to the Lord. And so now that's stay there for a second. Just hold that. That you know, when I look at you with that stick, with that I call it the Moses stick. Um, when I look at you with that, and I listen to a little bit of what you've just told me, I hear a story of great worth of a conversation between God and Corey. And, um, what, you know, I, I know at one point you tried to give that stick away. But what, what happened? Oh, yeah, me and this stick have had a journey. I've even chucked it out once. <laughs> because, uh, you know, uh, those of you, any of you have had anything to do with leading people, We'll know the frustrations and the heartache and how hard that can be at times. So um, there's been times where I've been prepared to offer that to someone else because the, the burden of, I guess, what the journey the Lord and I have had, um, at times I want to run away from that responsibility, I guess. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much the story of it, really. Thanks, mate. You can go and sit down and you can take your stick with you. <laughs> there's, a, there's a story of God's calling with that stick. There's a story of invitation to walk life with God towards Corey with that stick. So for Corey, that stick has incredible worth. But how do we measure the worth of every human being? How do we measure the value of a soul? We all use different tools of measurement. But in the birth of Jesus, Jesus born as king, this is the way that God is telling every human being that they are of incredible worth to him. Um, how, does that, how does that work? Well, in the proximity of Jesus, God tells us that he sees us. I read this last weekend and I'll... I'll quickly read it again now. Psalm 139. Pull it up here. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, and before a word is even on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you've laid up in your hand, you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make a bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawns, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What we see in the Jesus event, Jesus born the child. We see God saying, I see you and I am coming to walk this thing with you. We see that God is also moved to come and step into our human experience. There's a wonderful thing about of the incarnation of, of God in Jesus. We see that God is saying, hey, I want you to know I'm walking this with you. Philippians 2 reads this, that Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't 
consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, and taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What does Jesus, born as king, tell us about the worth of a soul? It tells us that God is deeply moved to want to engage in our human experience and let us know we don't walk this alone. He walks this with us. What does Jesus, born as king, tell us about the worth of the soul? God loves us too much to leave us in our brokenness. Max Licardo, the famous Christian author, he says this, God loves you just the way that you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be like Jesus. What does Jesus, born as king, tell us about the worth of a soul? It's right there in the person of Jesus that God invites everyone to live a better story than the one that we could even script for ourselves. A better life experience. And the writer to the Hebrews puts it like this. He says, put your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. You see, we can script for ourselves a story, but it will end in death. And the question is, what lies beyond that? Well, we see in Jesus, born as a child, grown as a man, going to the cross, we see there is resurrection beyond the grave. This is the worth of a soul. This is what a soul's worth. God rising from the dead that we all might by faith in Jesus. And finally, we see um, what does Jesus born as king tell us about the worth of the soul? We see that God loves to give us an opportunity to partner in a fulfilling and meaningful life with him. This has been one of our key scriptures this year, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So often we spend our days aimlessly doing things that we mumble and whinge about and crone about like, oh God, if I could just be doing something else. But then when we get to the something else, we then start moaning and groaning again like, oh God, could I just be doing something else? Hello, people. Hello. Are we hearing the constant circular argument in the wisdom of our own brokenness? God invites us in the birth of Christ to step out of that and into a life experience with him. It's a story and a life of hope. That's why we've got the balloons up there. It's one where we live from the place of realising, you know what, world? God tells me I am of inestimable worth. You can't put a figure on me as to how much I'm worth 
The only way that I understand my personal worth and purpose and functionality as a human being is in proximity to Jesus. That's what the Christmas or Christmas story, the birth of Christ is all about. It's God saying, I'm coming near to you because you're stuck in your circular arguments of trying to figure out for yourself your own worth. So I'm going to come close to you. I'm going to take on flesh and dwell among you so that you can know you are of incredible, inestimable worth to me as God, your maker. And we see that in Jesus. It's a story of hope and healing beyond pain and suffering. It's, a, it's an opportunity to live a life of redemption from death into an eternal well-being right now. We don't have to die to live the eternal life. The eternal life has broken in upon us in the birth of Jesus, and we can live from that place right now. And it's a story of reconciliation between God, between people, and even within the fractures, the deep fractures within yourself. Right there, God can bring reconciling love and life. It's a story in a life where we have been invited by God to push back against the forces of darkness and overcome demonic lies and spiritual forces that are at work over, around and in us that continue to harass and condemn us, where we can, in Jesus, push back against that and say, No, no, I'm not living according to that. I'm living according to who God says I am in Jesus Christ. And he gives me the authority to partner with him in that. In answering the question of the Christmas carol, O Holy Night, the author wants you to know this, and he wants the whole world to know this. He wants me to know this, that we are of incredible worth to God. He took on flesh And he came to show us how to live life like Jesus. He then also provided a way for us to live the life of Jesus both now and forever. And that we get to journey in this life with Jesus and with each other right now. This is what the soul is worth. This is what the soul is worth. And if I could just make one point of clarification in closing... You are more than your soul. You have a body and you have a mind. And Jesus' physical body was resurrected from the dead because he wants all of us to have a new created physical body in the fullness of his kingdom to come. And we won't be walking around like some zombies with no brain to like think and all we do is sit and sing hallelujah every day in eternity. No, no. The creative mind of Christ is alive in us both now and into the age to come where we will create amazing things of beauty in the new age to come in Christ, where we will partner with God in this earth and see it fully embraced and kissed by heaven, absent of the power of sin and death. That's what your soul, your body, your mind is worth. That's who you're worth. So right now, in this very moment, all across the world, the world is crying out to know its true worth. 
Our prayer is that you too, this Advent, you know that the author of the O Holy Night wrote about how the world was caught in sin and error, pining until he appeared. You know that word pining? Basically means like continually whinging, crying out, aching for, hoping for a different reality. Pining, longing. The world is pining for a different reality. And in the birth of Jesus, God is saying, here is that opportunity of a new life. My best love for you is the gift of my son, Jesus. It's time for a new lens for all of us. This is an amazing invitation in the Jesus event this this Christmas to begin to view our own worth and the worth of others through the actions of Jesus. Through the actions of Jesus. Just think of the person that really, like, if I was to use some vernacular here, P owes you the most. That You know that person. You might actually live with them. You know how they bring the best out in you? Just think about that person. Now view them. Lay that lens down and allow the lens of God in Jesus to come over you and how you perceive that person. Be it a work colleague, a family member, whoever. The neighbour who's got the dog that just won't stop barking in the middle of the night. Them. Just let the lens of Jesus come over you so that you can see them like God does. They are of inestimable worth. It's time for a new lens and it's time for all of us to realise that our true worth in God. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, just in this moment right now, we welcome you to speak to our soul. Come and just speak to our soul. there's, There's souls in here. There's people in here that need to have a revelation of their worth. They need to have an encounter with you, Jesus, so that they can know their worth. I pray for the proximity of your closeness to break in right now into every heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just with your eyes closed right now, give Jesus your soul. Let this be your moment, your come to Jesus moment, right now. Right now. And let your soul realise its worth. Come, Holy Spirit.
Let the love of God touch you right now with forgiveness, joy, freedom, a vision of a life that is full of fruit and hope and power, all because of Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.